we are beginning in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, we're down to chapter 5. We were in verse 1 and 2, so we'll review it as it's so connected. Exact times, we won't read it yet, I'll read it later. Exact times and seasons are not given in many things by the Lord. Reason for that. If people knew the day the Lord would come, many people would presume and live a selfish life and then say, well, now i got to get ready to meet the Lord. Well, that really doesn't work. In the 14th, 15th, 16th century, all of the religious world, which mainly was Catholic at the time, the noblemen, the people, kings, they believed they could live immoral lives, and then when they got old or sick, they'd get right with the Lord. So they planned this. Of course, most of them were never born again, and there's no guarantee the Lord will listen to a person like that. See, people think he's just waiting to help them to keep them out of hell. That's nothing. If people don't want to serve the Lord, God doesn't mess with them much once he's given them opportunities. Read Proverbs. It still applies. People who think they can play on God's grace are going to be shocked because he's looking at the motive and the intent. And if they don't want to be righteous in Christ and serve him, he's not interested in them trying to escape hell. That's the consequence of being wicked. So that's why the Lord often doesn't tell people exact times and seasons. People's corrupt nature would play on it. So even Jesus and the natural human body and soul, he did not know when he was going to return. People think he knew everything is God. That's a fallacy. And if it was true, it's hypocrisy on God's part. He was limited. He could not use his Godhead. He grew in wisdom and knowledge. He received things as a prophet from the Lord. He did not know everything as God. He did not have that to draw on unless the Lord give it to him as he would give a prophet certain things. So he lived as a man. He did not live as God or his temptations and his life were a waste and a mockery. And God isn't into that, okay? The devil wouldn't even play the game, okay? So he grew in wisdom as a man. People think he knew all. He did not. He did not know all. He did not know his God. See, we see he laid aside. Is that he emptied himself of his divine nature. He submitted to God as a man, uh, though he was the son of God with no original sin, but he had to obey and follow. That's the reason he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. If he acted as God, he didn't need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But everything he did, every miracle, he did as a prophet, a man, yielded to the Holy Spirit. And now Paul's very plain. He says, the Lord is that spirit. Now that he's returned to his glory of the Godhead, the scripture says the spirit is the Lord. He himself says, I'm with you disciples, but I shall be in you. So he's talking about when his glory was given back to him, the full use, his one, he was the creator. He will be the final judge, even at the white throne judgment. He's God almighty. There's only one throne. The other time when he sits or stands at the right hand, this is as the man using his humanity also. 
but they're not two separate thrones. He is the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Even the demons knew that. When he cast them out, they said, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of Israel. They knew that meant God. But they knew he was limited, and therefore they tempted him. And the devil tried to get him to fail as a man. And he could not use. He was not bulletproof then. Oh, it would have been a mockery. He had to resist and overcome. And he did. Okay. So we see... When he was risen and ascended to heaven and received his glory, he knows now when he's coming because he is the divine God. Christ is God. So he's risen and ascended and he's returned. He asked the Father to restore to me the glory I had with you before the world was. What glory was that? I'm God. Okay, and people need to understand that. That's why it's called the incarnation. He was limited and tested. said for a little while he was made lower than the angels simply because he took on humanity. And it says a little lower than the angels. Why? Because he had no original sin. He was perfect in that state. And of course, the devil tried to remove him from that state. But as long as he trusted the Father and obeyed him, and he did, he said, the Father always hears me because I always do those things that please him. Always. Isn't that interesting? So he was made for humanity to redeem humanity, to be accepted by God, to qualify to redeem man in all issues. Okay? Look at Acts. Now remember, times and seasons were not given to him. Certain things they were not told. And down in Acts 1, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, when they had come together, this is out during his resurrection and before he ascended, and then 10 days later, after the 40 days, and then 10 days, Pentecost came. So he said what to them? He said, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? That's what they were concerned about. All Jews were. And what did he say? It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So he blanketly told them it's none of your business. It don't concern you. You'll be informed what you need to be informed of. So all Jews expected the Christ to restore Israel, the Messiah, and to return Israel to its former glory and be chief among the nations and destroy the Roman powers over them. All Jews expected this, okay? Even the disciples. He did not answer them. Why? For that age would happen 2,000 or more years later. They wouldn't be living then, okay? That would happen during the millennium reign of Christ when he sets up the kingdom and he'll rule from Jerusalem and all the nations will submit themselves and Israel will be chief among the nations, okay? But the world that the disciples lived in and in Israel, it would be destroyed in 40 years. See, the Lord didn't answer them, didn't tell them things. They weren't none of their business right then, okay? Peter and Paul, they would be put to death a few years before the destruction. 
So when the Lord did come as his spirit at Pentecost and he filled the disciples of his spirit, they never inquired about that no more. Isn't that interesting? And there's a reason. We go to the Gospel of John, John 16, verse 12 and 13. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. It means you're not able to receive them. Uh-huh. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. They were hard things, he said, hard for them to understand. See, they were still thinking as Jews. They were still expecting Jesus in the first part of his ministry, even his disciples expected him to reign as king in Israel and destroy the Romans. So they were a little disappointed when their plans didn't come out. He was coming as a suffering savior. They were looking for a king. See, they, they bypassed all that, but it wasn't going to happen, okay? So what things could they not receive or was too hard for them to understand? Well, Gentiles would be equal in the New Covenant. The Jew thought he was special and chosen. Forty years later, he's going to destroy them because they were unfaithful. And he ceased to use them as a special people. He destroyed the whole system and went to the Gentile. And then any Jew was never chosen or special. He had to come just like anybody else. And that was the reason Christ and God rejected Israel and destroyed it for generations. They misrepresented God and sinned against him, and they thought they were so special. And we see that they weren't. Their privileges cost them God's judgment in a great way. They didn't understand the full understanding of who Christ was. They didn't understand the full Godhead and who he was. He didn't seem to explain it to them. Remember, right before he he died a few weeks, Philip said, it'll be enough if you show us the Father. Three and a half years. And Jesus said, how long have I been with you and you don't know me? See, they should have learned certain things, but they didn't. They didn't want to know certain things. But when the Spirit came, they would begin to know certain things. What was one of the other things that they didn't understand or didn't like to accept? Only prophets, priests, and kings had the Spirit come on them. Okay? Well, God was going to pull out his spirit on the handmaidens, the servants. Women would prophesy and speak forth the word of the Lord when they were filled with the spirit. Well, they had no concept of that. That would have been totally foreign to them. One of the Jewish prayers for years, oh, I thank thee, Lord, I was not born a woman. That's blasphemy when you think about it. And anyway, well, that's why they don't know the Lord. They still think with a corrupt mind. Okay, so Jews and Israel would not be honored above Gentiles. And in the kingdom where Christ is, they're equal to him and they're not chosen. Actually, the church, the true born again Christian, he's the true Jew. The outside Jew that doesn't accept Christ is lost as any Gentile is lost. And the punishment will be greater on them for the privileges they were given. Okay? So, see, they misunderstood. And that's why, to a great degree, they were destroyed by the Romans. Up until the last minute, they still thought that Christ 
God would send Christ and he would destroy the Romans. They were so arrogant. They mocked the Romans. And when the Romans did get in, they butchered a half a million of them and sent the rest of them in slavery. They were offered terms in the beginning, but they were so sure God was going to protect them. Well, he didn't because they were wicked and they weren't doing his will and they misunderstood certain things because sin deceived them. Okay. Now we get back to one and two. Let's read it again. Just now as to the times and the seasons, I don't need to write anything to you. Even Jesus had spoken about that. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come, just like a thief in the night. Okay? And now the Lord knows. He's returned to his glory. He knows when he's coming. He knows when he will return. Okay? So it is believed that Paul is now not just speaking of the second coming of the Lord or some say the rapture too. There's disputes among that. But he's speaking of the destruction of the nation that's going to happen in 70 AD. A lot of times you'll have prophecy that'll speak of two events. When he explained Lucifer's fall, God was addressing one king, but certain things he addressed could not be applied to a human. And David in the seven Psalms Messianic Psalms, he speaks as Christ, as God, and he did not experience those things. And then he goes in, and you see some of those he did. Why? Because he was a prophet, the Bible said. When he was singing and ministered to the Lord, the spirit of prophecy came on him. So David was a king and a prophet, okay? And the Lord was very plain to tell the disciples when he resurrected, search the Psalms, the law of the Psalms, and the prophets, he mentions the Psalms, for they speak of me. Okay, so he was telling them that. So what we find is also that this epistle that we're reading was written about 50 AD, a couple of decades before Titus the general would destroy the Jewish temple and scatter its people and nullify its nation as they knew it. Yet the Lord reminded all that the Lord will come as king and judge on the Lord's day. That's the day of judgment. Sometimes it's a season, the last days, the judgment day. And so we believe he has warned them too. Now, the common people, the Jews and Gentiles, did not know that the Lord would come and they did not expect him to the way we think of the Lord coming. They built, they planted, they married till the day of destruction, the Bible says. That happened in A.D. 70. They got a couple of reprieves, and they were waiting, even when the Jewish, when the Roman army surrounded them and everything, and make the final assault, they expected the Lord to come from heaven and destroy them. They were shocked when it didn't happen. And they were being destroyed and massacred. And the Lord did not protect them, okay? He considered them a wicked nation, okay? See, they were living as a whole. They were selfish, coveting people. They had no regard for God. They didn't know their duty to God. They didn't want to know. But they thought because they were Jews, they were special. They still think that today and they're deceived. And they'll come under a greater judgment. 
as the Lord himself said, all the nations that forget God will be turned into hell. That's going to be his answer to them. If they refuse to regard him and give him allegiance and do what he commands, he says that's what's going to happen to them. Okay? So this happened to Jerusalem in about 70 AD. The wicked Jews and leaders thought God would protect them and destroy the Romans. But they were not in Christ. They rejected him. They were wicked before God. Uh Christ told of their judgment, saying they did not know when he came. He said they did not know the day of his visitation. Jesus was visiting them in God's place. He was the Son of God. And they crucified him. They killed and murdered him. God said they murdered him. He told the Jews, you'll be just like your father. He was a murderer in the beginning. He referred to the devil inspiring Cain to murder just Abel. And so he told the Pharisees, you'll do it. And they did. Okay, And they got the results of it. And then they began to kill and persecute the apostles. They rejected the Christian testimony for 40 years. Apostolic teaching and Christian warning. Mm -hmm. But there was no delivering angel for them when God sent them to destroy Jerusalem. He He said, I'll make an end of them. I'll make a cursing among the nations. That's what he did. Okay. They believed anywhere from a million to a million and a half Jews had flocked into Jerusalem. It was three times the population because they were all thought they would be protected behind the walls of Jerusalem. And that did not happen. Okay. It's interesting. The angels that went and delivered Lot, they delivered and they destroyed. They told him, to, you have to leave because we cannot destroy this place. But they delivered them out, took them by the hand, and guided them out of the city. So God can be the angel of deliverance, so he can be destroyer. That's his prerogative. He doesn't always leave it to the devil. Sometimes the Lord himself sends an angel to put righteous judgment on him. And he uses devil, and it suits his purposes. Okay, That's his right. He's the great economist. Verse 3, so they were thinking of their pleasures and plans and finding their life. And then sudden destruction comes on them like a woman going into labor that's been pregnant. They will not escape God's judgment or wrath. And they did not. And they will not at his second coming. We see that that happened. Verse 4. But you, referring to the Christian brethren here, are not in darkness, that that day would overtake you like a thief. So he's warning them, the Lord, at that time, he warned them, Mm -hmm. and they left. A lot of people don't know this, but the Romans sieged Jerusalem two or three times during a year's period, and when they were getting ready to come in, They had trouble up in Syria, so the army diverted itself and went to Syria to put the rebellion down. And during that month or two, the Christians left the city. They were warned to leave, not only by what Christ said. Remember, he said, flee and don't go back and get any of your goods. 
So once they left, they could go out and nobody would bother them. Okay, and that's what happened. Josephus tells us this. Other historian tells us what are these this in common history. So what did they do? They believe the historians believe at that time, out of a million to a million and a half people in Jerusalem, they believe there were about thirty thousand who professed to be Christians. Uh-huh. And what did they do? Their prophets, New Testament prophets, warned them to leave. And they said that Josephus even says as a sign that during that time, the gates of the city opened on their own accord. They said one reason was to let the Christians out. The other ones was to let the Romans in. So they took it as a sign and they knew what was happening and they were told to leave. So the Christians were not destroyed. The Christian Jews were not destroyed with the Jews, the wicked Jews. See, God knows how to deliver his own. Okay, And they would leave the area because all the leftover Jews would be sold into slavery. Okay, So they left at the right time. It did not overtake them. They may not know the day or the hour, but they can sense what's coming where the wicked are not interested in these things. They're caught up in finding their own life and enjoying themselves. They're not considering their duty to God. Okay? But he told them and to watch these things and to be prepared. Even Josephus said that there was common knowledge that among the Christians, their own Christian prophets warned them and told them what was going to happen, and they began to leave the city. Okay, Verse 5, For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. We are not of the wicked people he's talking about, the ones who will not serve God. Mm-hmm. We are of the light, of the day, uh-huh. of the truth. Christ is our truth. We are led by the spirit of truth. He will show you things to come. He warned them through prophecy. Okay. He showed Abraham beforehand, that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Even before the angel, two angels, met Lot, Abraham was already being informed of this and was making an intercession for what he could. Okay, So we are not to live and practice dark deeds. We are not of that system. The way is made plain to the righteous. The wicked shall never understand. He doesn't give them the truth. He lets them be deceived, and he sends the demon to deceive them if they keep rejecting his spirit. People say, oh, the Lord wouldn't do that. Well, we're going to find out in Thessalonians what he said when the Antichrist comes. He said, because they love not the truth to acknowledge it, God will send them a strong delusion, and they will believe a lie and be damned. What's the strong delusion? He won't give them the truth. And then wicked, demonic spirits will lie to them, and they'll believe it. See, they wouldn't believe the truth, but they'll believe the lie. He said that they shall be damned. So that's what it means to come under the wrath of God and his displeasure. Okay. So verse 6. So then let us, he's talking to the Christian, let us not sleep. Sleep in that form it means sin, darkness, being uh, not following the Lord. He says, as others do, but let us be alert and sober or serious. We're to serve the Lord, do his will, 
and please him. The world isn't interested. The sinner is interested in pleasures and finding their own life and enjoying themselves, and they will. But then one day the wages of sin will be death, eternal death. Okay. So for this reason, and that's what he's saying, let's not sleep. Let's not be disobedient and fall away. He'll speak of that too. The five foolish versions were not ready. They were sleeping. They were not following the Lord or walking in the Spirit. They let the light go out. Uh -huh. The light went out. They could not be guided by the Lord. Mm -hmm. They tried to get ready at the last minute when the Master started to call for the feast. Well, during the second coming, the rapture too, it's going to happen in an instant. Nobody's going to be able to get ready. It's going to happen that quickly. And watch the foolish virgins. So they did come knocking. And Jesus said something to them. He said, no. He said, I don't know you. He didn't say, I never knew you like he did to most professing Christians who were never born. Of the two billion of them in the world, very few of them are real Christians or ever were. He's going to tell them, I never knew you. And yet they're going to be calling him Lord. Uh -huh. These, he says, I do not know you. See, he once knew them. They were once his, but they were branches cut off from the vine. They were no longer a part of Christ. Okay. Multitudes will say, I waited too long, and now there's no grace. See, they'll know that when he appears to judge them. They'll understand. And they'll flee and try to get away from God's judgment. But there'll be no place to go and no place to hide. They'll say, oh, we wish the caves and mountains will fall on us to hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. There's not going to be any mercy. There's going to be judgment and punishment. That's what he's coming as a king and a judge. Okay, He came as a savior and redeemer. He was offering mercy as a whole then. But once grace shuts the door, that's it. Once God shut the door on the ark with Noah, it didn't matter how many of them were banging on the door, Noah couldn't have let them in because God shut the door. Death shuts the door for many. Then there's no more opportunity. Day speaks of opportunity. Night speaks of opportunity lost. Says the night comes when no man works. So it's a dangerous thing for many people. Okay? And they, those they will ultimately weep and wail and gnashing their teeth with anguish and pain and hopelessness in the lake of fire. See, people don't like to talk about that. Jesus spoke about the weeping and gnashing teeth at least six times. The seventh, he said, an everlasting punishment. Well, people understand. He created the lake of fire, one with God. And the angels, he created it for the fallen angels. And they dread going. They know what's coming to them. They had everything good taken out of them. They're restless and miserable, but they're not in the lake of fire yet. Okay? So we as Christians, we have to bear fruit. We must keep bearing fruit. We must continue to follow Christ. It's not a one-time deal. We must watch and be serious of all these matters. 
serving God with fear and trembling. That's what it means. Most people, once saved, always, but they don't fear nothing. We're saved. We don't have to. It's all grace. Well, they're going to moan and wail and wail in hell because they've been deceived by lying spirits. And they didn't search it out to see if it was so. They didn't care. They wanted to believe their false shepherds. They got teachers and ministers to please them, not to give them what God was saying. Okay? And there's consequences of that. So it says, serving the Lord with fear and tremble. Uh, that is what? You serve him, no fear, no fear. That's true. Perfect love casts out fear. That only applies to the person walking in the Lord's spirit. Does it apply to carnal, backslidden, lukewarm, once Christians? No, apply to them. Uh-huh. And what, what is the fear and trembling? The only thing that causes a Christian to fear and tremble and could be separated from God is gross sinning against God. He don't protect them from that. Uh-huh. So they need to resist the devil, the world, and the flesh and stay with the Lord. And then perfect love cast out. There is no playing on God's grace. It don't happen. Many people think because they believe it, it makes it so. They can find out it isn't true. Most of the people in hell are deceived, but they're going to be enlightened at the day of judgment, and they're going to understand they got just what they deserved. And that's what's going to be part of the torment. They got just what they deserved, and it's too late to do anything about it. See, that's the horror of the lake of fire. So we have to keep with the Lord. We have to serve the Lord. We let no one take our crown. That means pull us back into the world rob us of our righteousness in Christ, of our practical holiness serving the Lord. That's the crown of righteousness, okay? Part of the helmet of salvation, okay? We'll get on something else. Now, Lot's wife, she was delivered out of Sodom. And the angel told them, they lingered waiting for someone to join them. We'll see the angel told them and asked them, do you have anybody else? And because they lingered, the two angels took the hands of Lot and his wife and the two daughters and led them out of the city, almost dragged them out. And they said, for we cannot destroy this place until you're out of it. That was the command they were given. Uh huh. But as they walked out and they got up on the sides of the hill, the fire started falling. And the angel warned them, said, don't look back. They could hear the thunder and, and all kinds of noise going on. Abraham, miles away, looked down and seen the plane burn as a furnace. Saw the fire and smoke consuming the whole area. He was allowed to see it, God's judgment. But he told them, don't look back. See, he knew a reason, but she disobeyed. She decided to look back. In a moment of time, she was struck dead, and she will be resurrected with the damned. She missed it by a simple disobedience because her heart was still there. She didn't want to leave. She really didn't want to leave, and she showed it by turning around, and the Lord struck her, and she became a pillar of salt. She died instantly, and she lost her standing, any standing with God. She'd gone with her husband, like the daughters, they would have been covered by his righteousness. 
simply by following and obeying him. Uh huh. But she did not. Okay. She was destroyed with the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and the plains. Can you imagine? In a moment of time, she forfeited her eternal state. Many people do that. And when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes on through preaching and teaching, and people fall under conviction and it is disturbed, they have to repent and turn to the Lord. And most of them don't. They make a decision then. Oh, well, I'm not ready, or I'll wait until it's... Uh-huh. I knew a, a minister years ago, and he used to preach in the country churches. And he said the Spirit came and he preached and was warning them of the judgment to come and get right with the Lord. And there were a couple of teenagers in the back, older teenagers. And his friend said, you better go up there. And the Spirit was convicting him and disturbing him. He went to the minister at the end of the sermon and said, I'll come back and talk to you tomorrow, but my friends are waiting for me and blah, blah, blah. Well, he was killed in a car wreck. He didn't have time. See, he had already made his decision, and God had made his. He was held accountable for rejecting, and it was all in a moment. Many people, that's why they're going to mourn and weep. If only I did this. If only I did that. Well, that if only is going to cost you an eternity. That's what people need to understand. Mm -hmm. So she was judged with the wicked people. Her heart was wicked. The angel saved Lot, delivered him. You know, the angel asked him before they left, do you have anybody, any sons-in-law, sons, daughters? Basic implied. Anybody that you know that wants to come? The angels did not have full knowledge. They weren't given that. They simply asked a normal question. Is there anybody else that wants to go with you? Isn't that something? Rahab was given the same thing. The soldiers, the Israeli spies said of Whoever you have that comes into this place, they'll be saved with you. So her friends and family, those who stayed in her apartment, they were saved. When Joshua and the soldiers came in, the first thing they did when they breached the wall uh, was to go in and find where she lived. She put a red cord out the windows so they would know. And they were led outside the city. And then everybody in the city was destroyed. But those with her were saved. She actually married a Jewish prince, a leader of one of the tribes, and she's a descendant, great-great-great-grandmother of David the king. Okay? So many will miss by a minute, make a decision in just a minute, and it will determine their eternal destiny. Go back. So I want you to remember this. Go to Genesis chapter 19, 12 to 14. Then the men, those were the angels, then the men said to Lot, have you anyone here else? Sons-in-law, your sons, your daughters, see they didn't know he had no sons, whomsoever you have in the city, Take them out of this place. The invitation was given. And people thought it was sort of funny. Well, the sons-in-law, they're just married. They've just been married to his daughters. But isn't it fascinating? 
These were grown daughters, at least in their late teens. They were accepted in the mid-teens as being adults. They left their husbands to go with their father. See, they had such respect and regard, and they believed him. So they did go, and his wife didn't want to go. Well, she wanted to have all these parties, and she wanted to be special in Sodom, and her heart had no spirituality to it. At least the daughters recognized their father, and they respected him whether they understood or believed all of his stuff. They obeyed him, and they were saved because they did. But their husbands weren't, okay? So the angel did not say, oh, we know you. They just asked him, do you have sons-in-laws? They must have known something. The wife may have informed him. Do you have any sons? He didn't have no sons. He just, do you have anybody else? That meant, if do you have friends or anybody wants to go with you? Nobody did. Nobody took him up on it, did they? <laughs> so we see the sons-in-law, we'll find later too, they mocked him. They thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. Verse 7. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. Well, not anymore. When they become like Sodom and Gomorrah, and they do it 24 hours a day. Usually, people that did the drinking and the carousing, they did it at night because they didn't want certain people knowing what they were doing in the community. Or they didn't want their wife or family to know what they were up to, you know. So they'd wait till darkness. Uh -huh. Let's go ahead and take a break here.